out there listening. This is episode 101 of the Jambase podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and Jambase is a partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. This episode features my interview with singer-songwriter Valerie June. I spoke to Valerie over a video call about her outstanding new album, The Moon and Stars, Prescriptions for Dreamers, which is out now on Fantasy Records. We'll get to my interview with Valerie in just a moment, but first, let's hear a bit about the sponsor of this episode, Grateful Fred. I'm not sure if you've seen what the guys over at Grateful Fred have cooked up, but they've tapped into a pretty cool way to display our love of the dead on our cars. They started out by making the officially licensed Grateful Dead 13-point chrome bolt. The bolt is exactly like it sounds. It's a perfectly sized, snazzy little chrome bolt, super easy to apply, and it's all designed to blend perfectly with the rest of the chrome on our cars. That's where Grateful Fred got its start, but since then, they've expanded their dead-based offerings, and then some. One of the latest pieces of eye candy is the Chrome Grateful Dead logo. This one will turn the head of any deadhead. It's just a beautifully designed chrome car badge. And like most of their stuff, it comes in matte black too. Okay, so Grateful Fred wooed me with the bolt and all these beautifully designed car badges. But earlier this year, they rolled out something completely different. And this I hadn't seen before. Metal stickers. Very different than any sticker I've seen. These things are impossibly thin pieces of metal, and somehow, they've managed to capture just an unbelievable amount of detail with each design. The metal steely is just something that needs to be seen. And the metal terrapins, and the dancing skeleton, and the bears, you get the idea. And naturally, the metal stickers look awesome on car windows. But windows are just the beginning. Now you're able to identify your laptop, turntable, speakers, toaster, TV, steering wheel, mirror, fridge, light switch, piano, toilet seat. Okay, maybe not the toilets, but it's always nice to know you could if you wanted to. All right, I really encourage you guys to check out Grateful Fred. Head on over to grateful-fred.com to check out all their bolts, car badges, and of course, those metal stickers. Grateful Fred is also the official sponsor of Jambase's Dead & Company, The Skinny Hub, where you can find links to recaps, set lists, and statistical breakdowns of the band's 2021 shows. It's there you'd find info on Dead & Company's show from Tuesday night, which marked their debut at Red Rocks. Last night's concert, I'm recording this on Wednesday, was performed without drummer Bill Kreutzmann, who sat out the show due to an undisclosed illness. Filling in for Billy was drummer Jay Lane, who has played with Dead & Company guitarist Bob Weir over the years in Rat Dog, Wolf Brothers, and other projects. Bobby addressed the situation at the start of the show, reassuring everyone that Billy did not have COVID-19, and that despite being pretty sick, the 75-year-old drummer was expected to soon make a full recovery. Jay Lane, wearing a Rhythm Devils fleece, was accompanied by Dead & Company's other drummer, Mickey Hart, for the majority of the concert. But Hart left the stage before the end of the second set leaving Lane alone on a set-closing rendition of Casey Jones, and on the evening's encore, Althea. After the show, Hart posted on social media, apologizing for his early exit, and indicating he would be back on the Red Rock stage tonight when the band returns for round two. Here's hoping all goes well tonight at Red Rocks and that Billy gets well and back to keeping time with the band soon. Last night, again, I'm recording this on Wednesday, 
also saw Fish perform the first of two shows in Eugene, Oregon. While the concert included a number of musical highlights, like the 25-minute Down with Disease opener, a lengthy stash later in the opening set, as well as improv-heavy second-set versions of Twist in 2001, and the debut of I Never Left Home, which appeared on guitarist Trey Anastasio's 2020 solo album, Lonely Trip. Last night also saw Trey pause the show to address the tragic incidents that occurred on Sunday at the band's second of two shows at San Francisco's Chase Center. At Fish's concert on Sunday, 47-year-old Ryan Prosser of Athens, New York, fell to his death from the venue's upper level. Shortly after, Keith Thompson and Evan Reeves were both hurt in a separate bawling incident. Here's what Trey had to say from the stage in Eugene. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much. <laughs> so very, very happy to be here. And um, um, I just have to take a... I can't not speak a little bit uh, from my heart in this moment. If you guys will just bear with me and let me say a few words to our beloved fish community and fish members. Um, that um, at the last show that we played, we had some really awful stuff that happened. And I just need to get this. We've all been just say a couple of words um, about how heartbroken we all are that the events in San Francisco took place. And um, first of all, I just want to name a couple of names here because um, so one of the gentlemen who went through the, um, that had this happen, this guy named Keith Thompson. And just to show you how tightly knit our community is, his wife, Carrie, um, is the uh, event manager for the Sacramento fish concert that we did. This is how close we all are. So our event manager for the Sacramento concert's husband, Keith, is in the hospital right now. Um, and he accidentally had an accidental, he, it was, he fell. And, um, and so I want to send, we want to send our love to him and to Carrie, who was, like I said, working on the show in Sacramento. Thank you. And then... I'm going to also send love to Evan Reeves, who was in the, involved in the accident and was able to come back last night and sit over there afterwards. So go, Evan. We love you. And then, uh, um, I also want to say a few words for Ryan Prosser, who's the gentleman who passed away, and all the Prosser family, friends and family. Um, but the main thing that I also want to add so we send our love to you, to the Presser family, and we're sorry that this all took place. But I also want to say uh, very quickly some words to all of the people who, I know this affected everybody, and some of the people who were nearby this event, um, I know had a lot of you know, feelings and experience this thing. So I'm sending out my love to all, we all are, I'm speaking for the band, sending our love to all of us, everybody in the whole community. And, you know, um, who were experienced. So, you know, anytime you have a series of events with large groups of people, things are gonna happen, but I don't know if I can express how much we feel a part of this group of people that are here tonight and every night and the people who can't be here are watching on TV. We very much know and feel that we're just four more people in this group who happen to be up here and you guys are standing there. 
But when something like this happens, it hurts us very deeply, and we want to send our love. Please be safe, and, and everybody have a great time. We'll, I guess we'll play one more song. I don't know what this song is going to be. We'll play something else here, and then we'll take a break and come back and play more. But we love you, and please be safe. Thank you. I think I could speak for all of us at Jambase and say that our thoughts are with everyone affected by what happened in San Francisco. And echoing what Trey said, please stay safe out there, everyone. Perhaps those out there in need of healing can find some comfort in music. The healing aspect of music was one of the things I talked to Valerie June about. Her new album, The Moon and Stars Prescriptions for Dreamers, has been a go-to of mine since I first heard it earlier this year. I've been a fan of Valerie's for a very long time and was blown away by this album, which has brought me peace and healing each time I've listened to it. Valerie talked to me about working with co-producer Jack Splash, who helped develop the insightful album's cohesive sound. We also talked about how Valerie recruited legendary vocalist Carla Thomas to appear on the album. I asked Valerie about her recent experience performing with Carla at the Americana Music Awards. And we also spoke about Valerie's recent Grand Ole Opry debut. This was a really fun and informative interview. And we'll hear it after a bit of the Moon and Stars track, Stay. I'm here with Valerie June. We're going to talk a little bit about your new record, The Moon and Stars, Prescriptions for Dreamers, which is out now. And I, I absolutely love the, the album. It's one of my favorites of the year. Um, it was one of those albums that when I was listening to it for the first time, before I had finished, I wanted to start it over and start listening again. Um, and, and it has such a strong cohesiveness that I also tend to want to make sure I have about 45 minutes set aside before I start listening to it so that I can listen to the whole thing. It, it, it definitely comes across as a cohesive piece. Even the title prescriptions for dreamers kind of suggests that there's like a, an overarching concept. So I'm going to start with, was that something that you kind of intentionally sort out, set out to do? No, the, um, the world of songs, whatever it is that gives them to me, Mm -hmm. It had that in order as a plan, but I didn't know until I'd done all the work that I needed to do to, you know, express the songs okay. that that was the plan. And I always feel like when you make music that there is some other thing that's guiding it, you know, it's not necessarily like, you know, why you wrote that song or what it means or what it's about. You just hear it and you feel it and you get it out and that why and how and all of that comes later. <laughs> so did these songs all come at once or were they, did, did, did they tend to come sort of piecemeal for you or here and there? They came over the course of many years, like Fallen, okay. for example, is about maybe 18 years old and then oh, wow. songs like 
Stardust Scattering and Within You, those are songs that came within the last three or four years as I was making the record. Mm -hmm. And so, and then other songs came between that 18 year period and the three year period, three years ago when Jack and I started working on it. So I write when they come and, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then, you know, some of them kind of are like, on the front row saying, I want to be recorded. They have personalities and they can be forceful sometimes about wanting to be out in the world versus other songs are just for me. Like, and I don't share those with the world. They're just for me. And, and so these were the ones that were like calling and, as I recorded them and captured them, that's when the story and the, the way that they were fitting together came along with the prescriptions. But it wasn't until after I'd spent many years collecting them that that happened. So a song like Fallen, that's 18 years old, how does it end up being one of those ones that got out in front cheering to be heard or, or recorded again? Well, the other songs kind of informed that because okay. I had that song for so long and I always knew that it needed to be shared with everyone in the world, that it wasn't just for me. I, I was pretty selfish. I waited 18 years, mm-hmm. but um, it had to be with the right collection to go out and the placement of it on the record. Trucks going by. Some city noises. <laughs> The placement of it on the record, when you think about a dreamer's journey, a dreamer, when you set out to follow a dream, you can succeed or you can fail. And it can be very scary. And the necessity for that song to be placed after Call Me a Fool was super important because the Call Me a Fool song is a song where the dreamer is like, well, I have something I want to do and I really believe in myself, but the world doesn't necessarily believe in me and I could bust my ass. Mm-hmm. And Fallen is a song where, yeah, the reality is that you might fail and there are lots of risks when you're following a dream. So it just fit there perfectly. And then with Smile coming after it, it being the song saying, well, I dusted off. I guess I'll get back up. It was worth the fall when the times got tough. Um, that song fit just perfect after Fallen. So I didn't plan it this way, but when I was going to sequence everything, it all just made sense as a story. And I was like, oh, that's what you've been trying to tell me all of this time with these songs, you know? So Fallen sort of fell into place. (laughs) Sorry (laughs) for the pun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's him. Falling out of love with love, placing all else above a I am willing to let go. Oh, 
you mentioned though a second ago, you know, dreamers and and dreaming is is definitely something that kind of flows throughout the album. And you mentioned, and I wanted to ask you, how do you balance the idea of of d- having dreams, but also the fact that some dreams don't come true and the failures that come with with being a dreamer because you all your dreams can't come true, right? Yeah, there is the balance of that is pretty constant. Like, for example, I think of some of my favorite dreamers like Dr. King, and I think of mm-hmm. how he had the dream that we would all be judged by the content of our character and not the color of our skin and how that dream still is not true 100%. Now, we've no made doubt. some progress, but we still have a long way to go. And it's been yes. decades since he was assassinated. Mm-hmm for that dream, for for being free enough to express even the thought. And so I ask myself so many questions about the path of dreaming. It is a total question, uh, no answer kind of situation. For example, why do we dream? Do we dream for ourselves? Are our dreams supposed to come true for us or are they being dreamed so that others can come behind us and carry it longer and actually see the reality of it? How much is it really about me? You know, (laughs) like when you follow a dreamer's path and I use the example of a dream for all of humanity in Dr. King, but personally, even like how many of your personal dreams are actually supposed to come true versus you living such an imagination, um, magical place that you're open to something beautiful happening in your life and in the world. You know, you're expecting something magical to happen versus living in a closed hearted up against the world kind of situation. So it really is like, all these things come to mind of why do we do it and what happens if we fail? I think that we should care less about that and just jump and do it. Don't so worry su- about how and why, you know. Six, success in the dream in, dream itself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard one to know. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. when you do fall as a dreamer, it sucks and you just feel so bad and you just want to cry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about is conscious dreaming to some degree, but in a literal sense, do your dreams while you sleep ever serve as an inspiration? Do you do you pull on that for for guidance ever? Yes, I do. And really like exploring the work of Young was cool with um, getting an understanding of how my dreams might come into this reality. But Mm -hmm. I can say, for example, on this record, there's a song called Why the Bright Stars Glow, and that song came in a dream. My brother in the dream was actually playing guitar and he was singing a song to me, and it was Why the Bright Stars Glow. And he was singing the verse, the first verse. And I was like, Oh my God, that is so beautiful. Did you write that? And he said, yeah. I said, well, that's going to be a hit. Keep singing it. (laughs) And when I woke up, the melody was still with me from the dream and there wasn't anything else but that first verse. And that's when I went and I made myself a cup of tea. I was groggy, got through the morning and the rest of the song started to come through that day. And then the more through that week, but it came from a dream. And I have three other songs that came from a dream in my lifetime. So I get songs in dreams sometimes. And I feel like that's a really special thing when it happens. Oh, that sounds amazing. I 
I've never experienced something like that. So I can only imagine what it's like to hear a new song for the first time in a dream and then be able to, to have it materialized on record. That, that's such a, a cool uh, sort of backstory for that. There is a moment where you're like, when you first wake up, you're like, wait a minute, is that the radio or is where is this coming from? And you have to ask yourself, is that something I heard before? And yeah, yeah. While I was checking out or in a cab while I was in the back seat, is it something already in the world? But then you realize once you're fully awake that no, you just dreamed it. <laughs> that's that's incredible. Really incredible. When the race is run and a goal is won, look how far we've come dancing in the sun. It is then I know I can't let you go. We talked about the, the the title having prescriptions in there, and to me, that somewhat suggests like a healing aspect. Uh, do you find music to be a source for for healing for you, be it mental or physical or spiritual? Music is absolutely a healer. I love the way the word magician and musician, the way those words yeah. kind of fit together. And I think that there is such magic and power in music that it has the ability to shift our energy and to create like these escapes that we need for living in this world because world the world can be so hard and it can be heavy and dark and um the prescriptions they're they're on the record um if you have the what is it the liner notes they're written in there Mm -hmm. (laughs) so what i would say the songs are for is like a good example of it is when you listen to a change is going to come and it's been a really crappy day to be in the news or in the world and learning about what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. You listen to a change is going to come and you are hopeful again. So that's the power of the prescriptive um, way that music can shift Mm -hmm. your energy. And so each of these songs, as I was going through and creating the, you know, writing out the lyrics and getting all the liner notes together, I was like, well, they each have like a power, like home inside is for your stillness and for your inner self. And within you is that you would remember that you have everything you need inside to manifest whatever dream it is you wish to manifest. And that sometimes they're bigger than you. So don't get impatient if it doesn't happen in your physical life. It is for a purpose and all of that. And so everyone has a prescription. And I think all songs can be like that, not just mine. I feel like I get that from other artists, you know. Were there other artists or um, albums or music or or other influences that you were drawing on when you were coming up with sort of the the sonic sound or shape of the album? Because it it is a bit of a departure from your 
past couple of records? I hope I always keep growing. Yes. <laughs> and I hope I always sure. keep going into further, further layers of music. But like things like, for example, there are so many layers of drums and the best way to get that thought out to Jack, the producer, um, was to say, okay, when T-Rex plays or even some Black Sabbath songs, there are these thundering drums and their roles and they're kind of like not the main feature of the song, but you feel it. And I call them clouds. And so I'll be like on the song, Jack, I think we need clouds on this song. <laughs> but like going and pulling a reference like that so he could listen to it and know what I mean when I say clouds. Mm -hmm. Because when you don't write music in the sense of writing notes, you just speak in terms of clouds and thunder. <laughs> Then it's Textures. hard for people to know what you mean versus like just pulling a song from this already there and saying this mm -hmm. is what I mean. You know, that's how I can translate to the producer or whoever I'm working with my thought, you know. And and Jack is Jack Splash, the, the, the co-producer on the album with you. Um, how did that collaboration come about? Why did you pick Jack to to want to work with? So the collaboration with Jack Splash is because I went and I went on a producer tour where I met many producers okay. because I was trying to find the right fit like Cinderella for this record. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack was the one from the first moment I sat with him. Um, he was introduced to me by my A&R guy, Matt Marshall at Concord. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I went over and I had tea with him at his studio and there's art everywhere and there are books everywhere and there's poetry everywhere and there's music. And I was just inspired by being in the space, but also him as a person being like a very, like when I speak of magic or wizards or fairies, he would understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And another world and stratospheric and multi-dimensions of sound then i don't willing, have to willing to travel with you yeah yeah and <laughs> yeah. i knew from the first cup of tea that he was going we were going to go on this bowie-esque planetary journey <laughs> and oh he had this book in the in the studio it was called the immeasurable equation by sunrise and it was all sunrise poems and he gave it to me Oh, and I was just like, oh, my God, as I was reading it, I couldn't put it down. It's really thick. And I was just like, he totally understands what I want to do. I'm an Afrofuturistic person, and I want to do that with this record. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't have to spend time explaining. The, the cosmic <laughs> connection was already there. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned before having a common kind of coming up with a common vocabulary, did that come easy for you guys? Well, at the very beginning, after our meeting, I went away and I just started writing words, single words that I wanted the record to feel like if someone was listening. Mm -hmm. And that would be stuff like iridescent or ethereal or stratospheric or constellations. And as I wrote those words, I made this Google Doc and I sent all the lyrics, the songs and the words and poems to Jack so that he would get in the mind space of what each individual song was the meaning of it and the spirit behind it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, 
totally able to hear that and excited to be able to build upon it. And so we spent, I guess, maybe a week or so at home at his studio, which is behind his main house. And we just arranged all the things that I was hearing, all the voices. And it was really cool to be able to sing to him these voices and have him understand that this could be horns and let's go ahead and get these guys to do the horn part and you just hum it and place it down and have that or this is strings let's send it to Mr. Lester and it'll come to life when the musicians get in the room but before that it's just a voice because that's the way I hear that's, and so that, he was open hearing those voices I was going to ask if if these songs were conceived with the the extra voices and and strings and horns and everything and it sounds like that was sort of from the start had you had you demoed those songs at that point like were there rough sketches of it yes i did rough sketches with either i did them with my new york city band musicians that i had mm-hmm. been working with um for a few years where I just went into a lovely studio here called DeGraw Sound. And the guy there, Ben Rice, is, um, he produced actually one of the songs. And I just went in with some guys that I've been used to touring and playing with and just recorded roughs of them. And okay. the funny thing about working with Jack is that when he heard the roughs, he was like, we're keeping all of it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we're just going to build upon what's already there because some producers would be like, no, we're throwing that away. Let's just recut everything with my guys. But he was like, nope, we're keeping all of it and we're just going to expand with my guys. And it was great. Like just the whole feeling of working with someone who was like just open in that way. Mm-hmm. And it was cool. Is that also how like you ended up on some tracks having two drummers and and kind of multiple instruments of the same instruments? Yes, it is. And I think now forevermore, I must have 15 drummers on every record. You could be just like, you're like the Allman Brothers and the Grateful Dead. I mean, there's (laughs) there's nothing wrong with two drummers. (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. I mean, I really did because um, Greg, who I play with a lot now, he has like this warm kind of like steady, consistent feel. And David, who did some of the drums and um, Carlin, they are more like from church. And so they were hard, you know, hitting. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. so the contrast of the two, just that right alone will create a dimension. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> You have this hard sound and the soft sound, and in the middle, there's all this space of dimension for sounds to bounce for the musicians or for the listener's ear. I wanted to ask you too about the song "Call Me a Fool." Um, it's 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 the standout track on the on the album. It, it features Carla Thomas. Um, what did it mean to have such a legendary musician sing on that track? Wow, she is my fairy godmother (laughs) Uh So to be able to meet her and to be able to laugh with her and listen to stories Mm. of her talking about 
Otis and her working with him or her talking about stacks or any of the work she's done with musicians and her father and her sister and everybody's musical. It was she gave amazing. me the chills. <laughs> yeah, and it's just the beginning. Like I'm looking forward to like just more cups of tea with her, more lunch, yes. more time. You know, it's like yes. I made a girlfriend. <laughs> oh, awesome! Yeah. So, so how did how did uh, that collaboration come about? Did you just kind of reach out, or did, how did how did you get connected? It was that I reached out to Boo Mitchell, who's a musician and producer in. Um, Memphis and he has mm-hmm. a studio Royal Studios and I said if anybody's gonna know how to get in touch with Carla it's gonna be Boo so I called Boo and he was like absolutely and I said well can we record it at your studio and he was like yep and so Jack sent us the track and we went in and Boo engineered it and the sound of her voice with what he can do with voices in that space it's awesome it's like all Al Green stuff was done there <laughs> I saw the video of it. It looked like you were just having a, a, a once in a lifetime experience. It was. It was so great. <laughs> when you wrote the song, was Carla in mind? She, I had her in mind because I'd been listening to like G Wiz and Baby. And really mm-hmm. I'd been listening to her saying, um, what a fool I've been so much. I listened yeah. to that song probably like, every day for three years before this actually happened. And I didn't know why I was listening to that song, but it's just like, I love the song. I love her voice and I'm inspired by her as a black woman from the South and Mm -hmm. everything she's done and um, how prolific she's been. And, um, and I just was like, why not? I listened to it one day, like I always did. And I was like, why don't I just call Carla? And see if she will do this voice. Because originally I read that part and I was like, I don't think my voice is supposed to read this part. It's supposed to be a wiser and older Mm -hmm. female voice. You know, that's what I was hearing in my head anyway. It wasn't my voice. So, And that's the African proverb that she reads before going into the coma pool. Were those two parts conceived together? No, the song came. And then the proverb was later. It was after the song. And how did you, where did it come up that to, 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 to sort of intertwine those two concepts? Well, the proverb came when I started working with Jack, when I sent him the poems and the mm-hmm. words. Okay. The proverb was one of the things that I'd found that fit with the song, Call Me a Fool. And as I was putting together the poems and the proverbs and inspirations for him to go be able to go to the world that I wanted him to go to um I was like I have to figure out a way to keep this and then Jack sculpted that intro to that you know this beautiful ethereal sounds yes and I was like why don't I just speak that over that intro before the song begins okay and so that fit perfectly to have that yes. the, the intro or the interlude between this song and the actual, you know, um, throwing down of singing that part. Yeah. <laughs> the whole song. There's yeah. definitely some throwing down that came after that. It, and it, and it sets it up and it is another one of those aspects. I think along with like the stay meditation and starlight, ethereal silence at the end of the album, that kind of is that through line is that connective tissue that does give this record a, a very 
cohesive. I keep saying that word, but there's this, it, it does. It all sounds like it's supposed to fit together. You know, the one song leads into the next that seems like it was deliberately sequenced, which it sounds like, you know, everything seems like it has a very strong purpose in the album. Um, I think it's a credit to, to what you and Jack ended up creating. Thank you for that. I certainly think that those parts that we're able to bring together the songs that's all like the production of jack and me meeting him because before that i had the songs and i have recorded records in the past and i love my all my work that i've done but having a whole piece where it's like a true cohesive piece is this is the first time that's happened and it's because of the collaboration of being able to have his production and all of that coming together that I was able to finally make a piece that flows like that. <laughs> Did you anticipate him bringing that to the project? Like, were you familiar with other work that he had done or was there a specific other sort of project that he'd worked on that you thought, Oh, he did that. He'll be able to do this. Well, if you look at the work of Jack Splash, you will find that when he worked with uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones or mm -hmm. Tank and the Bangas, mm -hmm. that there are interludes on those um, records. And so wow. I think it might be a secret little thing that he tags records with. Yeah. The, the Jack Splash <laughs> like, Splash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only a fool tests the depth of the water with both feet. Call me a fool. Call me a fool. Play hard for Uh, and going back to Carla for a second, real, real quick, you you were at the Americana Awards recently where you were nominated for Album of the Year and Song of the Year for Call Me a Fool, and you got to perform with Carla. Was that the first time you guys had performed in public? Oh, yes, absolutely. I watched it and it was transcendent. I mean, the, 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 it, it, it seemed like you guys were, were floating. Um, is, that, is that close to accurate? It was. And, you know, just to have her come from Memphis and be on that stage at the Ryman mm -hmm. in Nashville mm -hmm. and us both representing Memphis, which I feel like doesn't get the love in modern day times that it needs. That was yes. amazing that the Americanas opened up to the city like that and being for us too, you know, mm -hmm. was so mm -hmm. great. <laughs> we had what did great it feel like when you walked off the stage and what was sort of the vibe backstage afterwards? Well, we all were like, when can we do it again? Because it was yeah. that much fun. I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> I hope you do. I do. Uh, and another important uh, thing that happened for you recently was you made your debut at the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah. Wow. How, was, how was that experience? It was amazing. And in the back of my head, I was sitting there thinking, what took y'all so long? Amen. Amen. I'm from Humboldt. No, I, I, did, I had to double check to see that you said it was your debut. I didn't believe it. 
yeah. I was like, I was raised right down the road. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but finally being up there, you just get chills because it's amazing to step onto the circle. Yes. There's like this circle from the original stage mm-hmm. that they had mm-hmm. installed in the new building. And when you get on it, it's like, um, I call it like almost like you're on a portal or something where you're like in the space where all of those other artists are there. And it's like, they are still standing there with you. you know? Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. And, and I imagine it was probably a uh, pretty significant for your family too, to see you up there. Oh yeah. My sister, she was there in person, but for the other family members, they were all like, ah, you get to do it. So the next time I do it, I'm hoping I can get everybody to come in for the performance, but because of COVID, I didn't, you know, mention it to very many people because um, I didn't know what it was going to be like with an indoor performance and, and, um, and vaccinations and masks and all of that. So I was like, we'll wait till the next time to get folks all here. Again, such is the life we, we live in these days, the world we live in. Oh Um, yeah. So, so you, uh, you, you have played some shows, um, recently. How, how was it getting back to performing live given the sort of pandemic world we're living in? Well, um, I was really nervous about it, but my whole band and team, we always got tested before we left for a gig and when we returned and we did everything we could to make sure that people were vexed and everything and, or took a got a negative test to come to the performances and everyone maintained health throughout it that's great so it's just it was what it what we have to do now we just have to be very vigilant and look out for our our health and and i'm diabetic so i go like even further than everyone else because um, i struggle with an autoimmune disease all the time like i'm wearing two machines right now that i we're all, every day of my life and I don't need any more challenges than I already have. <laughs> no, I know. I hear you. I've gotten my third dose too. I, I have my own health issues. I hear you. It's a, it's a struggle for us and we just want everybody to be safe, right? Yeah. So we can go to see shows and have live music because once we got back and we were on stage, we're like, I can't believe it's been a year since we did this. <laughs> Now, how were the new songs when you, have you gotten to play the the songs that were on the album live? Oh, yeah. And you know what? The true gem of them is started scattering live. I mean, for that yeah. song live, it's just like, really, the spaceship does take off. It really oh, does. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and you're, you know, one of the, the shows you have on the books, uh, one of the few shows you have on 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 your schedule right now is actually next year. It's in January, but it's here in Minneapolis uh, for the current 17th anniversary party where you'll be going back to First Ave. And I wanted to ask you about a time that you went to First Ave. I, I, I spoke with um, Allison Russell for the podcast uh, a couple of weeks, uh, probably a month or two ago now. And, and she mentioned that one time you guys were there, she was opening for you at, uh, at First Ave um, with Birds of Chicago. And she said, you guys got to sit on Prince's motorcycle. Yes. You remember that? Yes. Can, can you, can you, can you, uh, she, she didn't really tell me too much about it, but uh, she, she left it for me to ask you. And, and now I get to finally ask. So, so what was it like getting to sit on Prince's motorcycle and how did that happen? Well, the 
people who owned the First Avenue were just so generous. And <laughs> I was coming off the stage and just loading everything out. And some of the band members were over there by the motorcycle and they actually were on it. And I was like, oh, can I get on it too? <laughs> so It's yeah. funny that your response wasn't, hey, get off of Prince's bike. It was, hey, I went on too. <laughs> yeah, for real. Can we all get on there and go for a ride? No, we didn't ride anywhere, but we did get on it and we all took pictures and stuff. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. Something yeah, it's that doesn't happen. Yeah, well, Allison said it seemed like it was a pretty memorable experience for her and and, uh, and sounds like for you guys as well. And, and I'm looking forward to you coming back. Um, I, I hope to see you when you come next uh, next January. Um, I want to also say your your uh, your cover of Summer's End on the new John Prine compilation is sublime. Um, it, it, that whole compilation is great, but your, your, your contribution is fabulous. I know John was a friend of yours and my condolences. I, I know that couldn't have been, had to have been somewhat of a bittersweet project to be part of. Um, but it, it's a beautiful tribute. Thank you. I'm glad I got to be on it. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad you got to take the time to talk with me today. Um, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, like I said, your album is one of my favorites of the year, The Moon and Stars, Prescriptions for Dreamers. It's out now on Fantasy Records. Anybody out there listening should definitely check it out if they haven't yet. Valerie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, thank like you, I said, Andy. Hopefully I'll see you soon when you, when you come to the first... Hopefully, hey, when you come to First Ave, maybe we can meet up and I can get a sit on Prince's bike. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll see you then. All right. Take care. All right. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's all for episode 101 of the Jam Base Podcast. Many thanks to all of you out there for listening, and many thanks to our sponsor, Grateful Fred. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out Valerie June's new album, The Moon and Stars, Prescriptions for Dreamers, wherever you find good music. Thanks to Jake Alexander for helping produce the episode. We'll be back soon, so in the meantime, stay safe out there. Go see live music. <laughs>